0: you <laughs> do this or what sure
1: let's do it we might just start with that (laughs) welcome to childhood ruined with one of your hosts michael mallon and that is chris benefield listening to what are you listening to there your favorite oh is that ryan adams it sure was it's a song about uh breaking up with parker posey i mean that would be upsetting perhaps i i would be upset I don't know. Part. The, I don't know the story.
0: Well, it's just one of the 18 billion women that he's dated and broken up with. Wow.
1: <laughs> so he's like a poor man's John Mayer in that regard.
0: He uh, likes to fall in love with lots of different, you know, celebrities and singers. You know, he was married to Mandy Moore. I don't know these things. Well, he was. Isn't she still on This Is Us? That I have no idea.
1: Wow. Anyway, welcome everybody. I don't even know if we're going to keep that, but if we do, welcome to the show. Uh, We were off for a week. We were doing various things. I know you have school going on, and I've been busy with work and our fourteen-month-old son. So things are always hectic. Uh, How you been doing?
0: Um, You know, pretty well. Hanging in there. You know, getting about town, trying to get get this uh, licensure deal finished. Slowly but surely getting there. And so after you get this license
1: and finish the program, you're going to be a licensed school counselor? That is correct. Excellent. That's awesome, man. I'm very excited that you're nearing the end of that road. (laughs) You and me both. Right. I remember many a conversation leading up to that choice and remember us talking about starting that program, so... That's, mm-hmm. that's
0: great that it's you're almost on the other side almost this last little bit is sort of writing intensive of just it's it's sort of an online portfolio if you will and they're they just changed the format right before i got started and it feels a lot more writing intensive than the one that was around before so
1: well good luck and then uh you gotta start doing the whole job search thing huh
0: yes very very quickly need to have that Squared away.
1: Yeah, I applied for a job this week, which is. Yes, you did.
0: Yes, you did. Yeah,
1: I'm not going to go into details, but it's with my current employer and it would be more of a manager supervisor position, so we'll see what happens there. To be determined. You're going to be the man. <laughs> I, I'm not already. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean yeah, the man, the, oppressing uh, your,
0: your workers.
1: Uh, longtime listeners of the show will remember that was a song choice of mine from The Killers many episodes ago. <laughs> so, yeah, what's on your agenda for our uh, for our week's episode? I know I have some things that I am curious to pick your brain about.
0: Well, I mean, as always, we can find out what's on my turntable if you want. Um, it's not Ryan Adams? It's not. It's not. Okay. Um, yeah, I, I got out and... and Played Magic in a store in a semi-competitive environment for the first time in what feels like eons. No, I think it's actually been quite that long, but it was was good to get back out and, and do that. Nice. Although I, I took a lot of crap for for bringing guns to a knife fight. Because. <laughs> <laughs> or did you dust no, of some of like the hundred dollar cards that you have? You will recall we discussed how um Jeez. you know. Jace got unbanned, and I had been forewarned that um, a lot of the players at the store were newer players. They were really kind of putting together not, you know, high caliber tournament ready decks for these modern tournaments. And so I started with an idea that was kind of along those lines. But as I tend to do, I I, I got carried away, and by the end of it, there were there were Jaces in it, and I took much crap. So. So you were that guy? I <laughs> I was that guy, although I still got just steamrolled by Hank's deck, so it wasn't like what I brought was just, you know, head and shoulders above what everybody else had. So
1: Do you really want to be that guy that goes to the the crappy bar and brings his own
0: pool cue? Like, that sounds like what you were. <laughs> um, yeah, except for I hadn't played in forever, so I, I could have brought, like, the deck that just won, you know, the last modern pro tour and i was not going to play it that well because you know you uh, you know it's like hearthstone players and other people know like a big part of the, the game is knowing the meta and knowing like what you're facing and knowing what you do and don't do against different matchups and i know none of this right now to, to come to a modern tournament so i don't think it really mattered what i brought which is kind of why i felt okay you know, dusting off the Jaces. Although the real reason that I felt okay with that is, I've had those for forever, and I've never gotten to play them outside of the kitchen table. <laughs> so, you know, it was finally a tournament that I could bring Jaces to, and so I did, and nice. deal with it.
1: Deal with it. So, you gonna try to do that a bit more often now?
0: Yeah, I hope so. This store is, um, you know, pretty convenient for. Um, you know some of the core people that I play with, so hopefully we'll we'll get out there more often than we, excuse me, have been recently. Very cool.
1: Yeah, speaking of Hearthstone, I haven't been playing nearly as much. I I play a few games each day, usually when I'm on the treadmill in the morning to just finish some of the quest to mm-hmm. continue getting gold, and it's fun to play. But I I haven't updated deck lists in a while, so I'm playing decks that were quasi-competitive a month and a half ago right <laughs> so now trying to play it's I'm just kind of lazy I don't want to update things and I'm <coughs> I also just the top decks right now they're not fun to play and they're not fun to play against so it's not a great time for the for me at least I'm sure other people are enjoying it but I just am am not into it at the moment so I've been taking a, a bit of a break from Hearthstone. Picked up F- XCOM 2, which I'm excited about. I started playing last night. I am not good at the game. My tactical skills are terrible. I've played two missions and had two soldiers die already, and it's on like the easy intro mission, so it's it's not good news for the rest of the campaign. But I like that right. game, and it's uh, it's a good time. I really enjoyed the Last Xcom which i played on 360 mm-hmm. which was good times
0: yeah i think i got it for free um as one of like the games of the month on the the playstation network um you know quite a long time after the first one came out and i just i could not get into it um which wasn't a huge surprise like i've always i just i have a little bit of a mental block about the tactics style games where you you know, it's kind of more turn-based, and you plan out those you know movements ahead of time. Just something about that doesn't click for me. But uh, you know, I I know people love the the XCOM games. I know I'm I'm kind of in the minority on that, but just I, I couldn't get into it. Yeah, the the latest thing that was
1: annoying me. But before our call, I was playing a mission, and I had upgraded somebody so they have a sniper rifle, and I had what looked like a clear line of sight to this target and it wouldn't even let me use the sniper rifle it was it just said i could only use my pistol i have no idea why it's not explained <laughs> so, yeah so things like that about the game i feel i need to learn i need to learn why certain things are happening it's not exactly spelled out so a little bit of trial and error but the sad thing is if you make a mistake you usually get punished in that game pretty hard yeah so but that's been fun strangely i was <coughs> I was talking about that a bit today on Twitter about having enough stress from a game that it's engaging. Right. Because if it's not a stressful experience at all, then I really don't get into the game. Kind of that whole stress performance curve.
0: Right. I, I saw the discussion um, a little bit, and it seemed to, to resonate with some some people out there. And then I was trying to think of, like, are there games that I play and I feel stressed? And, like... Outside of like playing more competitively, like when you play like multiplayer against other real people or like, you know, playing, you know, playing like Magic Online or something like I'm not sure that I tend to feel much stress playing video games, but it's certainly meant to be
1: relaxing. And maybe when I say stress, it's more of an engagement level, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. like activated, you know, certain games. Activate you. certain games. I think are meant to be more relaxing. Like I played Stardew Valley for a bit. Yeah, and that's this game where you can do nothing. You can do, you can, you can just go mining day after day after day, and it's not necessarily the wrong, right or wrong thing to do. Uh, mm-hmm. But it's almost like it doesn't matter. I didn't. I didn't care about the goals. <laughs> right. So I don't know. That's the farming one, right? Yes. Yeah. You can farm and go hunt monsters, and I imagine that game's very deep in some ways in terms of the strategy and how you can build up your farm and all that stuff. And It's one of those games I think you could either do a trial and error, or you can go look at the walkthroughs and be like, oh, I need to start planning this now, so in three years Mm -hmm. I have this huge epic farm, and neither option really appealed to me. It's fun. I, I think it's a cool game, but it just didn't touch a nerve especially since i don't have much disposable time
0: right yeah you know my kids have been into you know minecraft and the you know all the other games that have kind of come after that where there's you know much more of this just sort of crafting and building and kind of doing what you want and it it works for them but it is definitely not kind of what i feel like i get into a game and, and want to do at this point like Minecraft felt like building with Legos except for really limited pieces and you're doing it virtually instead of just having it in front of you and <laughs> getting that tactile experience right uh, and and you know there's a number of other games where you can kind of create worlds or even create games and you know again kids love it just doesn't work for me so you know maybe in that respect we're kind of talking about, something similar where you know there has to be a sort of an engagement level before i'm gonna want to play it but i don't think i feel stressed
1: right well we talked about it a few shows ago about games like dark souls where it's very <laughs> punishing and in some ways very stressful and that yeah. to me is on the too far end of the curve of i i don't want to be miserable playing a video game
0: <laughs> <laughs> right so that just those games just make me mad um and uh, one of the free games this month on PlayStation Network is Bloodborne, and I'm—I think it is actually downloaded, but I have not opened it up because I'm not sure I want to hate my life that much. <laughs> right? Yeah. You know, there's enough to hate about life without adding video game stuff to it. Right. Well, I think we talked about this before, but I'm—I'm I'm not sure that my TV that that stuff is connected to is a great gaming TV. Like, you know. Obviously, I'm older, but I used to play some of those really challenging games that people would complain about and enjoy that challenge and sort of figuring out how you, you know, beat the ridiculous boss that feels like you can't be beaten and like, you know, the satisfaction of doing that. And so I borrowed Dark Souls 3 thinking that it would be the same thing. And it just, it didn't feel like the same thing. And part of it was like, I don't feel like I can, it felt like the controls. We're sort of muddy and laggy and and I'm told that is not how the game is supposed to feel. so hmm. I think there is an there's an issue somewhere in my chain of you know from playstation to to TV that is that is not good. I tried messing with the settings and it just doesn't seem to ever get there or alternately, I'm just old.
1: I was gonna say <laughs> that, that classic saying of a craftsman always blames his tools is <laughs> right or maybe a mixture of both, but uh, yeah. Well, I definitely endorse XCOM 2. I don't, It's been out for like two years now, so it's not exactly a new game. I'm sure over the next, hopefully, next few times I play through it, I'll get the hang of it and kind of remember some of the tactics with cover and flanking and angles, but so far it is, it is a comedy of errors out there <laughs> uh, trying to save the world. Right. So speaking of saving the world. Yes. I wanted to pick your brain about Ready Player One, which is Mm -hmm. a book we – or a movie we haven't talked about, I don't think, at any point in time. So I'm just curious to get your take on the book because I've been sort of paying attention to a lot of the critiques and criticisms Mm -hmm. of both the author and the book and the upcoming movie which Mm -hmm. seems to be a perfect storm of backlash against something that was initially popular. And Mm -hmm. I've been trying to figure out why that is all coming to a head at this point in time and in history. And before getting into that, what did you think when you originally read the book?
0: Yeah, so I I didn't read it um, right when it came out. I'm thinking I must have read it maybe 2014 2015 somewhere in there like i had heard about it heard that i should read it and i believe i picked it up in a like in an airport on my way to go visit a friend as you know realizing i needed some some trip reading in case i got stuck in airports and stuff and uh you know i thought it was an easy read i enjoyed it um the biggest thing i remember thinking because it's you know it's been a several years now thinking when i read it is like I felt like it read like a screenplay. like I felt like you could kind of see the the setup for like the movie scenes and whatnot as you read it. So I wasn't surprised at all to hear that they were making the movie, and I was pleasantly surprised to hear that you know it was gonna be a Spielberg movie and just assumed it would be a good um, bag of popcorn kind of kind of movie. Um, and so yeah, I mean I, I liked the book. Um, nothing about it. Blew me away. There was no, I don't know, like there, there wasn't something like crazy twist or surprise. There, it didn't like make me, th- you know, think in a new way about something or anything like that. It was just kind of a f- fun, kind of by the books story and kind of an imaginative setting. And of course, just a boatload of um, pop culture and nerdy references, which I think is kind of the the big reason that people tended to like it.
1: Yeah. So I think I read it. I don't know if Emily was pregnant. I don't think so. I think it was the summer before that. So maybe it was like 2016, maybe 2015, but like I was aware it was something that was popular and something I should read. And I, I, um, like reserved it at the library which is conveniently like an 8-minute walk from my house. <laughs> right. So, eventually I came into the library and I ended up reading it and just enjoyed it. It's like you said it's kind of easy to read. It's not a long book and it just has so many references to things you and I grew up with and right. you know, millions of other people like us grew up with. So it's, in many ways, just felt like a book that's kind of aimed at preaching at the choir. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's referencing doing deep dives on D&D and Back to the Future and all this other stuff. That, John Hughes movies. Yeah, war games. That's just like a nostalgia overload. And I remember talking about it afterwards and just saying like, yeah, it's it's an orgy of nerd wish fulfillment. And not necessarily in a bad way. It was just – and it also had some elements of kind of the difference between your online persona versus your real-life persona, which is something that I've done some research on in the past Mm -hmm. in graduate school. And, I mean, at this point, people are probably very familiar with the book, so spoiler alert. But there are some situations where there's conversations and or revelations that certain characters online – in the avatar world are not what they appear to be actually in real life. So, which never actually happens. Right. Yeah. (laughs) Well, especially back in, I don't know if this was so much an eighties thing, but like nineties internet, there was a lot of hijinks going on with gender swapping and people pretending to be something else online. And I imagine that happens now too. Uh, Without a doubt. Yeah. But I certainly think like, I remember like back in the prodigy and early AIM days, like I, LL, AOL Instant Messenger,
0: like you never knew who you were talking to. <laughs> so short story because it's it's kind of a funny one. Where there's a person that we I'm know. So and ex- I don't I'm don't so
1: excited about where this might go.
0: I'm like – I'm literally smiling over here. I don't want to say much about it, uh, but there's a person that we know and began online – romance with a person that was allegedly i think it was 30 like they're supposed to be 36 and went to go meet this person and like came back here with this person and continued the relationship but literally the digits in and her age had to be reversed <laughs> Like, it has to be much closer to sixty three than thirty six. So anyway, wow. just random short f- funny story of like is somebody that uh, definitely was not who they uh, said they were for online. But apparently, um, you know, in this case, that person was still okay with it or able to get past it. So.
1: And so. You know, there's there's some elements of the book and some conversations between the characters where that issue. If, I, I've read this book once and it was a few years ago, so I, I don't have an encyclopedic knowledge of exactly how it all plays out, but right. My recollection is the protagonist, who's this I think eighteen year old boy, man, whatever, is <laughs> is you know communicating with a love interest. Through the avatar system, and it's like a chat-based thing, and he's like questioning whether or not the character whose avatar I believe is female, mm-hmm. and he's trying to figure out like is this person behind the avatar actually a woman, right? And this part of the book has been presented as an example of this character is transphobic the author is transphobic and this is a big problem. And when I read it, and again, I feel like I'm pretty aware of these things, given that in my work, I've worked with trans patients. I've mm-hmm. been educated about such things. It struck me more as tapping into that time frame where you really didn't know who you were talking to and you were right. trying to confirm one way or the other, like, Am I actually talking to who you say you are, type of deal? And again, I could be wrong. I don't exactly remember the specific dialogue back and forth. But that's been a really big thing with a lot of folks that I follow online and who are very progressive and, you know, fighting for equal rights, which of course I am on board with and agree right. with, like, oh, 100%. But I just never took that away from the book while reading it. And I'm wondering. From your point of view, I mean, you know me pretty well. Is that my privilege of being a white, hetero, nerd person? Yeah. Or is that other people looking into it too much? Or is it just
0: all the above? You know, yeah. if I was really prepared, I would have gone back and found the passages along these lines. Because we talked about it just a little bit. Um, But frankly, I didn't. So much like you, I'm sort of talking from, you know, reading a book two to three years ago. Um, And my guess is that it's probably a little bit in between. I think that probably the person writing it and us reading it just all took it the first way that you said, you know, just as kind of that not knowing if somebody really is who they say they are online and whatnot. But um, at the same time, like, I don't, I don't remember exactly what the passages were there. There may have some been some stuff in there that so I was, was able to pull a little it up, bit more.
1: Because people okay. have been tweeting like a picture of the page from the book. So. Okay, perfect. It's a conversation between the, the, the female character uh, who's goes by the name Artemis in the mm-hmm. avatar world. And the E is a three and Parsifal, who's the, the protagonist guy, who I think is Wade, I think that's his name. So Parsifal asks, like, are you a woman? And she replies, it's not your turn. He says, fine. And then she asks, how well do you know? I think it's pronounced H. It's like his other buddy, buddy's name. Mm-hmm. He says, he's been my best friend for five years. Now spill it. Are you a woman? And by that, I mean, are you a human female who has never had a sex change operation? She says, that's pretty specific. He says, answer the question, Claire. So she must say her name's Claire. She Mm -hmm. says, I am and always have been a human female. Then she goes back and saying, have you ever met H in real life? Um, Then they kind of go off into some other conversations. So that like little exchange about, you know, are you a woman? And that by that, I mean, who's never had a sex change operation, which I don't. I don't really remember that too well from the book, to be honest. People are not on board. Um, They just disagree with that being in the book and being kind of this under, or maybe to some people, very loud transphobia.
0: Well, I feel like very loud is probably overdoing it. I also think what they're really expecting is for a character of a Again, he's supposed to be, what, like 18? Yeah. To be completely, you know, woke, for lack of a better term, on the issues of, you know, transgender individuals, which in my experience is not where a lot of 18-year-old men tend to be. Or a lot of 58-year-old men or... <laughs> yeah, well, for
1: sure. Everywhere in between.
0: But, I, you know, I get it. Like, this is kind of the one of the new... Frontiers and battlegrounds that, like, people are really sensitive and picky about. And so I do understand how, like, going back and reading it now, like, you you really do feel that, like, idea of, like, are you a woman? And I don't mean, like, a fake woman because you had a, you know, you've had a sex change or something. Like, are you a quote-unquote real woman? And if that issue was important to me, like, I would be bristling at that a little bit, too. But at the same time... You know, I do think, you know, you have to have a little bit of understanding of, like, if I'm writing a character of an 18-year-old boy and I make that character a straight, cisgendered male and I write him as being, like, completely self-aware of both himself and all the issues of other people around him, like, that's just not really where most 18-year-old boys are at. I mean just just my opinion i'm not trying to justify it one way or another or rationalize it i mean that's you know just kind of how i think about it when you read it is like if he had approached that whole thing in a different way um that was like super um sensitive to you know all possibilities of gender like it would have been kind of like what (laughs) like that doesn't seem like most the voice of most 18 year old boys but i don't know what do you think? Well, and I, I think there's a few things, and I've, I've you
1: know read some articles about this. And to be very clear, I am not saying that anyone who interprets that way, that book that way or has problems with it is wrong by any means. No, I just like that's not the initial reaction I had mm-hmm. when I read the book, and kind of when you did your little kind of synopsis overview of reading the book. Like, yeah, I thought the book was fun. It was something I was reading in the summer, and like I remember walking to a local burger joint, (laughs) like a mile away (laughs) with a, with a backpack. And I had the book in my, and I walked down there, ate a burger and read the book outside. And it just was like simple, you know, I didn't, I didn't think too much on it. And an issue that comes up now. And I think everything's politicized. So if you enjoy a piece of music or a film or a book, It's almost like you have to also know what the artist intended and what they stand for. And if you like that song or that movie, then you're also supporting whatever political beliefs that person has. You can't just like something on its surface. You have to also dissect it in a lot of different cultural ways. And that's not necessarily a bad thing like I think it's Mm -hmm. important to I think we've even talked about this about raising children of like be aware of what you're singing you know don't just like repeat pop songs and stuff like actually have an understanding of what the songs are advocating or talking
0: about see I go the other way on that because I know all those things went way over my head when I was a kid so I don't sweat it too much
1: well right and I, I, I mean I think that's the difference I think things are different now I think we have all more information. Like when I grew up, right. I, I don't know what like a stupid example. I didn't know what John Bon Jovi stood for, other than like being awesome and <laughs> making rock music. You know, I, I have no idea what his politics are now. But
0: for the record, I never thought John Bon Jovi was awesome. I
1: just picked that because I knew it would <laughs> irk you. Um, but you know, like Guns and Roses. Like they back in eighty seven and eighty nine or eighty
0: eight. When did lies come in? Mm-hmm. Uh, eighty seven. Lies would have come out eighty nine, maybe. Yeah, because eighty seven was Appetite for destruction. Yep, yep. That's that was what, what was the calculus going on in my yeah. head when I said eighty seven. All right, are you ready? Here it is. Oh, nice. That's that's for all our trans listeners right now.
1: We love you. That seems kind of condescending. I think you should. Cut, I think you should delete it.
0: I'm being very serious.
1: I I agree. Yeah. I I hope this conversation is coming off as just two, you know, cis white guys trying to figure out the the conversations that that are going on, which is not something I feel like I can engage anybody with on Twitter that I don't know.
0: Right. And frankly, I think that's why I said it's a little bit in the middle and that we were – I think the author, I guess I don't know that much about the author, but for sure us as readers do come into this with that sort of dominant world view of, you know, white, male, (laughs) hetero, cisgendered people that like we get to read that stuff and like it does get to just sort of be like, yep and, like, keep reading and never stop to think about it, whereas a lot of other people, you sure. know, read the same thing, and there's there are things like that that do kind of, um, you know, prickle a little bit or, or even are downright offensive that, you know, sometimes we may read past because we do have at least that level of um entitlement. Uh, give me the word I'm looking for here. <laughs>
1: privilege entitlement
0: thank you privilege jesus um and so you know i do think there is that that element to some degree at the same time i do think that like making so much out of that one thing feels a little if not disingenuous at least being overly sensitive about you know something that is a very small part of the book i mean in the end he's an 18 year old hetero boy that wants to know if this other person is a girl because he's interested and that's basically you know what he's saying. It's not even implied there that if the per if if the woman in question had been like, well, actually I was once a man and now I'm a woman, are you okay with that? That he would be like, Nope. <laughs> you know, it's just kind of a throwaway thing that he's saying as he's pestering her to find out if you know, she's been lying about her um, gender or whatever um, online, which lots of people do for for lots of reasons. So.
1: Yeah. And I think it would have been weird in the middle of that book if they're <laughs> discussing the gender unicorn and all the different elements of <laughs> gender identity.
0: And right. you've seen that before, right? That graphic. I have, yeah. actually. I, I, I went to a, uh, a training on uh, these issues and and that exact graphic was, was brought up there and it, and it's a good one. Um, you know, it's again, like it's not really an issue that I, I have any personal problems with at all. So I don't want people to think that I'm being defensive about the author's intent or how 18 year old boys should be. Of course, I would like for them to be more tolerant, aware of these issues and tolerant and, and all these things. But at the same time, I, you know, I I know that 18 year old me was much less tolerant, and you know I think that if you're writing an 18 year old boy, like to write them that way does feel um, more authentic in a lot of cases. I mean, I yeah, actually I'm I'm not gonna go there. (laughs) Right. Well, I think the thing that makes this makes it
1: complicated is that the author has said some problematic things, either in his writing or. Different Reddit posts and such about women. Right. And I think it seems pretty clear to a lot of people that the main character in that story is more or less a representation of the author. Mm. Um, Like the author has a DeLorean (laughs) tricked out with Ghostbusters stuff, I think. Like he's, you know, he's very much that guy, that like ultimate nerd collector, uh-huh. minutiae, whatever. and I don't I, I don't know him by any means. Uh, but just reading different critiques and different thoughts, I think that's part of it is that it's not just that one passage in the book, but it seems like in other forums, the authors also said some some problematic things about about women. So it's can kind of, people taking various pieces of information, putting them all together is like, yeah, this, sure, this is not a good thing. The other thing that comes up, you know, talking about privilege is the whole challenge to nerd culture being a white hetero male thing and Mm -hmm. not inclusive of other people. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, we talked one of, I think, one of our first episodes about Big Bang Theory. Right. And how, you know, you really dislike that show for some pretty valid reasons. And people are kind of pointing to this book. As an example of everything that's wrong with nerd culture and masculinity, which, again, to me Mm -hmm. seems kind of an overreach. But at the same time, I'm I have the privilege of just being able to read it as a piece of fiction and like, oh, that was entertaining and I can put it away. Right. And if other people point to that as like, yes, that's what it means to be a geek. And it's certainly not inclusive of a lot of people, then that would be upsetting. I just never thought about it on that
0: level before. Right. And yeah, I mean, we could probably, we could go at it, especially if I would you know, actually prepared (laughs) for this discussion. Like this is a really long discussion because I do think there is a lot of meat to this idea of quote unquote, nerd culture being a, a white heterosexual male thing. Um, and so, you know, I have no knowledge of what the author may have said outside of the book. Like, I am just taking that one passage for its own sake. And and, and that's yet another huge discussion, which is, you know, the idea of do we hold who a person is um, against their art? And I don't think that there's a right or wrong answer to that question like that's things that individuals have to make up for themselves and i think we all do and you know sometimes you know there's bad behavior that if you know it's not only tolerated by like rock stars especially of like the 60s and 70s it's like downright celebrated that would be career ending <laughs> <laughs> right. These days, were they to be doing the same thing? Um, well, we, we've had some... this conversation about Ted Nugent. Right. And
1: have, I even brought that up. Like, we'll probably get into Ted Nugent and the Gender Unicorn, and just because I feel like this all relates. Mm-hmm. But, like, listening to Stranglehold by Ted Nugent. Right. Like, yep. to me, that song's amazing. Like, yes. I enjoy listening to it. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, there's this dissonance of. Man, Ted Nugent is an awful, awful person. <laughs> and I grew up. And I'm... I grew up in you know eighties, nineties, and the whole, the kind of quote unquote supergroup, Damn Yankees, where Nugent's a part of that with some guys from Night Ranger mm-hmm. and Sticks. And like, I, speaking of CDs that I own, I I own two. Oh god, two oh, damn no. two damn Yankees albums. No. Um, so, but again, like back then, like I didn't know what ted nugent stood for or what he believed like i didn't really have access to that information i didn't care and now it's just kind of commonly known that he's a incredibly conservative gun enthusiast to put it mildly who has a lot of problematic views and can i still listen to strangleholder damn yankees and enjoy it while also thinking like i
0: disagree with pretty much everything this guy stands for Right and you know I, I don't want to go too far afield just talking about the nudge no, but please, you know go, I, I, go left field I'm not sure that he knew what he stood for and at that time yeah. um if you know what I mean like right. it's in his case like I think some of this is that age old <laughs> age old, process of getting older and more conservative and changing your views and whatnot that, you know, is a pretty natural human phenomenon that happens. Like I know that like he was not into much in terms of like drinking and drugs and stuff like that, um, even during his heyday. Um, And so I think there was an element to him that was maybe a, a little more conservative in some ways, but he also like, I believe he is one of the many that, you know, engaged in a relationship with an underage girl with the quote-unquote blessing of you know her parent or parents or whatnot so (laughs) you know to to claim that he was always ultra conservative and you know i don't know and so i'm not sure that the ted nugent that wrote stranglehold is necessarily the same ted nugent that you know had the fbi or whoever it was kicking down his door for (laughs) to make things that are illegally illegal threats to the president um and so i you know that's one where like i don't listen to stranglehold and have like a big problem with it but if other people do like i also i don't really I, i have no issue with that um and i i know for me there there are artists that like knowing who they are as people and feeling like they're awful individuals does ruin it for me and i can't enjoy their their art anymore. So it's like it's you know <laughs> well <laughs> the, the truth be told is I've never enjoyed Bono's art very much. I've always found him to be sort of insufferable. Um I I, I think there's some good early U two um, but by and large they he and they really rubbed me the wrong way. So
1: well, I was I was gonna talk before about mentioning Guns N' Roses and the Lies album because you listen to One in a Million mm-hmm. and you the lyrics to that and certainly then I knew like this song is incredibly offensive. This song <laughs> has so many right. lyrics that are problematic and I still like the band right. and even listening to it now it's hard to listen to that song now. Yeah, It's an you interesting know, it's experience because you're more of a music connoisseur than I am so I'm just curious right. about your take on this kind of thing.
0: Yeah, and frankly, I forgot that song existed because I found it awkward to listen to in 1989, yeah. and so I don't think I did listen to it <laughs> yeah. very much. And um, it's not
1: like, I, like hey, I want to relax on a Tuesday. Let me put on One in a Million by Guns N' Roses. Yeah, uh, and,
0: and again, like I, I don't think there's really right or wrong answers when it comes to this because – to some degree like there is art that people make and then there's who they are as an individual and Frank you know there's always the saying about you know don't meet your heroes you know for this very reason like someone's art someone's public persona is not you know kind of like we're talking about with the idea of online identities like those things are not one and the same like who they are on a Tuesday at home is not necessarily congruent with who they are or your imagined picture of who they are when they're singing the song or doing this amazing art. And so, you know, I I generally I don't have a problem sort of separating those two things, like knowing like the Beatles were amazing and, you know, popular music wouldn't have, you know, gone down the same path without them. But also I know, like, you know, John Lennon was kind of reprehensible in any number of of ways at various points in his life. And, like, I don't have a huge problem understanding that both of those things are true.
1: We need to bookmark that sentence and bring it up when we're all porch drinking out west, when when <laughs> Emily is around, my wife, because she might have some some reactions. She is a
0: big Beatles fan. But maybe she'll agree with you about John. I, I don't know. And, and I am, too. And, like, t- yeah. There is also a certain degree, I think, here of we hold incredible standards weird in weird ways when it comes to people that are celebrities and that, like, we love to sort of build them up and then we love to be, like, super outraged and tear them down. And by and large, if any one of us were to suddenly find ourselves super famous either as a politician or a musician or any of these things, like – We all have flaws. We all have bad days. We all have had those times that, you know, we were huge a-holes for a day. (laughs) And we get to get away with it because, you know, our lives aren't being constantly um, scrutinized by, you know, media and and fans and, and all these things. So, but at the same time, like, there's a line, like... I certainly don't watch anything that with Bill Cosby in it and feel the same way that I did 10 years ago or so. So, you know, I, I don't really have a problem with somebody feeling differently about, you know, where the line is or the things that they um, aren't okay with. And even in the case of ready player one, like if that's too much for you and you feel like that was super insensitive and it's not something that you're going to like support the movie because of it, like, more power to you i just i don't um you know in that case i don't read that one passage and have that same reaction to it and you know even if i knew the other things that he's maybe said out there i'm not sure that i would have the same reaction to it um and frankly like as we're we're sort of finding out with with the whole me too movement like it's a it's a sad state of affairs when it comes to men in sort of these, uh, entertainment industry, uh, positions in that, it, you know, if we're going to throw out everybody that's ever, um, given into sort of that toxic culture around, um, men and women that has existed in the, these industries for years, like there's, there's not going to be many people left.
1: Well, it's existed everywhere. And I think the thing that I've, maybe that started this whole reaction is, I would consider myself quite liberal, progressive. And so I tend to follow people on Twitter who have similar mindsets and they're Mm -hmm. into similar interests as me. So, you know, self-pronounced geeks, nerds, you know, (laughs) curlers. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Uh, But I think. It's hard to have any kind of nuanced conversation when these type of things come up about culture, about race, about identity, about politics, about religion. Like Twitter is just not the place, sadly. <laughs> what? Well, yeah, I I know, but it seems like that's just a lot of how I consume news and opinion for for better right. or worse. Like I also listen to podcasts and I you know, think for myself certainly, but it seems like there's way, and maybe this is not a fair statement, but it seems like there's less room for actual discussion. And like the two of us talking about this book, somebody might be listening and be like, I can't believe these guys are saying that. They're totally wrong. But if I was to, like, someone will tweet out, like, you know, just remember Ernest Klein is uh, transphobic. And if I tried to engage that person and have a similar conversation, I think I'd get blocked. I think. 10 20 other people would pile on and tell me that I'm a bad person if you like this book you're terrible if you don't understand how wrong and bad it is then you're an awful person and it's it just becomes this like all or none thing right and it's not just with this book I, I, I think it's with a lot of different things um, and I probably do it too I, I remember a, a buddy of mine said he wasn't that excited about Black Panther. When he, the first trailer came out And I was more mm-hmm. of the mindset of Again, kind of thinking about the movie And more of this like cultural relevance Representation, like, this is amazing This yep. is such a big deal And I think right. he was looking at it as just like Yeah, you know, compared to the other Marvel movies I'm just not sure if it's going to be that good mm-hmm. Where I'm thinking about this book as Yeah, you know, this was a fun book And I didn't really read too much into it But looking at Black Panther I'm reading, like, way more into it Than, like, this is just another movie This is a bigger deal Right and I don't know if that says something about me or <laughs> just I can pick and choose when to turn that off or I don't know. Or maybe I'm just I'm different now than I was a few years ago when I read the book.
0: Right. And, and we all have blind spots. We everybody, no matter how um, open minded and progressive they want to try to be like, everybody has their spots that they're. More and less aware, more or less open. Like, you know, I don't care who it is. Like, you know, it's really something that takes a lot of effort to maintain. And everybody has lives. Like, everybody has to, you know, sometimes put their focus somewhere else. And so, you know what? The author of that book may be transphobic and I may just be blissfully unaware of that. And probably that would mean I don't really want to be friends with this person. But it doesn't necessarily mean that I don't enjoy the book because, frankly, the book, it's like it's not it's not that deep. It's you know, it's it's very pulp entertainment type. You know, it's it's fine. It has a lot of references, but it's not something that I'm living my life differently because I, you know, I read this book and you know, I think the movie is going to be very much the same. I mean, the early stuff that I'm seeing is very positive uh, about how, you know, f- people that have gotten to see it. And I think it's going to be enjoyable, throwaway entertainment and fun to go see on a Friday and then move on with your life. But at the same time, like if people have been following this author and he said some things that are, you know, repulsive to you as a woman or as a trans person and, and you don't or feel as it, a man. you should support yeah. Or, you know, whatever. Like, that's I, I don't have any problem with that. But before people get too sanctimonious about it or expect everybody else to go along with them again, just my feeling is, is <laughs> when you start. Start to look at every single person out there that's made art or done anything and you shine a really bright light on them like there's not going to be many people left standing because everybody is human everybody has made mistakes everybody has done something at some point that they're not particularly proud of some more than others but i think the counter to
1: that might be well not everyone is misogynistic and transphobic or
0: Right, but here's my point. W- w- again, like I think it's pretty clear if you spend some time reading about John Lennon, he was pretty um, disrespectful, if not outright fearful of um, people with any sort of disabilities, especially mental disabilities, which would not be something I would tolerate in like a friend that I spend time with right now. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Uh, Like, that's not who I want to spend time around is somebody that's making fun of people with mental disabilities and also like fearful of people with them. But that's not something that we as a culture or society tend to like, you know, he's not been shunned. We, you know, we don't suddenly feel way differently about him or the music of the Beatles or his solo material because of these things it's part of a picture of somebody that was a human being. And for all I know, because I've spoiler alert was not personal friends with John Lennon. His, his opinion on these things may have changed over time. Um, I think clearly, you know, he, he got a lot more political and a lot more open-minded as time went by. And that may have been included in that, or it may not have been like, I don't know. And it doesn't, frankly matter that much to me when it comes to like i'm gonna listen to a beatles record be- or really much of anything because by and large i feel like people are people and everybody has some things that they would prefer to have maybe made a different choice on and it's a really unfair standard sometimes that we hold up someone that is famous for whatever reason too. now that being said like I do think there's a a line to be crossed like you know to be what it sounds like Harvey Weinstein was like yeah people should not tolerate yeah, that right of course um he he sh- you know he should not be allowed it as you know being a great producer executive whatever his title would have been on various things um in part because it sounds like he was a pretty terrible human being for a really extended period of time and, you know, that's that's fine too, but, you know I don't know, I'm rambling a little bit but, you know, this is something that that bothers me a lot with politics in this era, which is like you're expected to be, pretend to be some sort of, like, pristine human being of impeccable, you know never made a mistake in your life like, whatnot whereas like you know 40 years ago politicians mostly got to lead sort of double lives they got to have their sort of public persona and then be really in some cases crappy human beings (laughs) behind the scenes. which i'm not saying is a good thing or condoning but at the same time there are a lot of great leaders in history that were sort of crappy human beings in their personal life and sometimes i do feel like we let um one have a little bit too much influence on the other when, you know, like if you're going to be a politician, like your public record and the things that you've done and whether you're dirty or taking bribes, like that's the things that I care about. Not if you ever cheated on your wife, but again, some people really do care about that.
1: No, when I was researching, trying to figure out why people were having such a, in some some respects, a visceral reaction to the book. And I think now the movie for ready player one coming out, I think one of the, one of my favorite comments that sort of illuminated the mindset of a lot of people that disliked it was mm-hmm. comparing saying that ready player one is the 50 shades of gray of kink. <laughs> so more or less, like this is a bad representation of something that I really care a lot about. So instead of
0: kink, and so the something in this case was nerd, nerd culture. culture, right.
1: Right. So I think Ready Player One, had it just been this popular book that people kind of enjoyed and you know that was that, It was if it remained just kind of this cult book that had a lot of references and people geeked out about it, I, I don't think any of this really comes up. But now that Spielberg is directing this huge summer tentpole movie and now there's a response to it, like, wait, this, this is not a good representation of the things I care about and there's also that going on. Where mm-hmm. my nerd nerddom isn't just a, a bunch of references to stuff that I grew up with like it means more I I, I think that's also part of what's happening I just found that analogy funny um, <laughs> but also kind of informative of some of the folks who are not wanting to see this be popular or not wanting to see it be successful because they feel
0: like it's not really accurate to who they are yeah and I, you know I think there's. There, obviously, there's two different kind of issues here that are getting a little bit more mixed up in the conversation. One is, you know, does this author have sort of, you know, a lack of respect for women or trans people or whatever? Like that's one discussion, right? And then the other is sort of like, does is this is this nerdy enough? Is this or should this be celebrated? This. Is this accurate yeah. of, you know, what sort of these various um, nerd cultures, for lack of a better way of putting it, um, how they should be representative? Or was this just kind of your, you know, <laughs> kind of your Big Bang Theory uh, of books about this kind of stuff, which, you know, I don't know. That's just kind of up to each person to yeah. To, You know if you don't like the book You don't like the book You don't have to go see the movie Or or support the movie I do think that people also get a little You know overwrought You know in the same way people do About indie music right Like so many bands are cool You know when just You and a few friends know about it And then as soon as they become popular Or signed to a major label It's like well (laughs) You know they they sold out like only their first record was any good and like a lot of this evaluation doesn't r- really have anything to do with the quality of the music it just is that now suddenly they're popular and a lot of people know about them and um, they're maybe doing some things that you associate with you know you two doing but like your little darling indie band is is not supposed to do that they're just supposed to stay super poor and (laughs) relatively unknown and play small venues so that you can feel cool so yeah I i don't know i i guess i didn't really take this book as you know sort of like this deep record of like what it was, what it really means to be a nerd man. You know, it's, it's, it's just a, a sort of a fun throwaway story with some fun pop culture references. And like I said, I read it from the start as like being a very populist book to the point that I read it and was like, you know, this is almost written. Like this person is thinking of like, this is how, this will look when they make the movie out of it. <laughs> you it's not know, quite it, written
1: as a Da Vinci code, as a screenplay
0: in book form, but yeah, I see right. what you're saying. You know, to me, it just, it read that way. It was like, yep, this, this will be a movie sooner than later. This person wrote this very much with that mind's eye of like, this is how this will come across. And, I'm, and when this becomes a movie and that's fine. Like, You know, it's it's fine if people like Big Bang Theory. Like, it's just, you know, I don't I, you know, I don't personally enjoy it. I feel like it's a little too obvious and, and a lot of its humor and whatnot. But, you know, whatever some people do. And if people don't like this book for that reason, that's fine. But at the same time, like, you know, I do think you you do have to kind of check yourself about where you're you're turning into i i think i've i've talked about this before on one of these uh, but um father-in-law uh had founded this cartoon he's like this is totally you and it, it was this cartoon that said i saw the greatest you know indie band that i've ever seen last night and i was the only person there so I killed them so that nobody else will ever get to, you know, like people do have that sort of possessive mentality about a lot of these things, which, you know, I think we all do to, to varying degrees. Like it kind of feels like it's our thing. Like we've, we found this and we have some sort of ownership of, about it because we feel like we discovered them. And then when everybody else does, it's kind of like, Oh, <laughs> you know, yeah. um, But, you know, you've got to also temper that with, like, (laughs) you know, understanding kind of where that comes from and that it's, you know, it's good for art that you like to get recognized by a lot of people. It's good for people making art that you like to actually get to be rewarded for that and, like, make some money off of it. Um, And, uh, yeah, just having a little bit of balance when it when it comes to these things and again like i i can't look at this book as one that was like if you read that book we're like oh this is like really you know just just for me as you know a dnd player like I, I think you were coming at that way wrong like this person wrote this book to be exactly what it became and become a movie and 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 it did
1: like I said, it's just a bunch of and yeah, just kind of wish fulfillment. It's just non-stop wish fulfillment for this character and I also think by extension a perceived stereotype of what, you know, again white heterosexual male nerd wants in a lot of ways and I think that that's why people
0: have a problem with it because it is sort of the stereotype that's celebrated. Right, and, and I'm that's fine. Like, you know, clearly I, you know, I think that the author it wrote this from that perspective and I'm not going to argue with people that, that, that is an issue in, uh, you know, various areas of nerd culture, you know, as a magic player, I have a definitely experienced the, um, both sort of the possessiveness of it (laughs) that some people have the lack of acceptance for female players, or at the very least the assumption that, you know, they're there playing because their significant other is there, not because they personally love it so much. And, you know, there is a lot of progress that needs to be made in a lot of these hobbies when it comes to, uh, you know, this, this is a, I, I know this is a battle that um Wizards of the Coast um has been battling for a while which is how to attract more females to their audience and then also really feeling the pushback from their original core audience about feeling like that's being shoved down their throat and you know And they're definitely
1: doing it with D&D. They've they've actually made some very nice strides in that over the last few years with having especially with their streams having more female players, female DMs yep. and even just how the art in the books, one of the adventure books that came out had like 20 some pages of characters from a city and most of them were mm-hmm. dark skinned which I thought was awesome. So I think there there's more awareness all around which I I do mm-hmm. believe and maybe that's getting lost in my Pondering of the reaction to Ready Player One, that awareness is great. I, I think it's it's a good thing for people to be aware of privilege, to be aware of issues of equity and equality, and the more we have these conversations and take some action to improve things, that's mm-hmm. for the best. I, I think what I had a reaction to is not the holier than now, but just some of the the all or none ism. That comes from you know looking at a piece of art or something, and just assuming everyone that likes said piece of art is X, with X being some kind of horrible thing. <laughs> that comes up in politics. I mean, you know, I I think we both have family members who vote differently than us, and that creates a lot of dissonance. Mm-hmm. Of like, how can I be related and love this person and yet they stand for things that I find kind of reprehensible? It's that's a whole other topic, but you know I, I appreciate your willingness to chat about these things because it's really hard to do, certainly online with with folks you don't know yeah. as well. And it's, yep. I think you kind of have to have some trust in talking about these subjects with somebody because I, you, you kind of jump to conclusions if one person says something that's not worded the right way or mm-hmm. sounds a little funky, it, it can go in a bad direction.
0: Mm-hmm. And I, you know, I would completely understand that some people do make that jump, because f- frankly, if I were, I don't know, a black trans woman that wanted to be into some of these same hobbies, like, <laughs> screw this. Book. That is, Yeah, that is not, you know, like, there is a lot of work to be done. And it's always struck me as a little bit weird that um, a subculture that, comes out of not being accepted by mainstream culture i mean traditionally like to be like really into these things in the 80s and 90s was like really looked down upon by a lot of people so to kind of come from that background of like you know again like being quote-unquote nerdy is now kind of cool and these uh you know this day and age but you know there was a time that was very much not cool and so to come from that background but then also be really um disparaging of or not accepting of you know women or minorities or whatever the case may be and it just always strikes me as weird but i you know fr- i have witnessed it on a f- firsthand basis mm-hmm way more than I, I would like to. So I, you know, I completely understand that it, it exists and I don't really have a problem with someone, you know, pointing out where it exists. Um, sure. But, you know, as we've been talking about it, you know, also sort of tempering that with like maybe where y- y- you're taking it a little too far or finding it even where it's, you know. Where it's not, and and you know when it comes back to this book, I keep saying it over and over again. Like, I have no idea what this person, ha- this author, has said <laughs> in in public or or tweeted. Like, he may have tweeted things that I find utterly reprehensible. You're going to Google w- at
1: like three in the morning, and be like, "Oh my
0: god, <laughs> we cannot post that episode because I sound like a total jackass." And so you know, again, like if I knew the whole background, maybe I would read that passage that we talked about and be like, "Yeah." Screw you, man. But just taking it for kind of what it is and the voice of who is supposed to be talking like it, you know, to me, it feels a little bit like being overly sensitive, I suppose, for lack of a better term. But that's what this is about and like i hope that if somebody does listen and they disagree with us like by all means like shoot me a private message and say you know respectfully like why you disagree and i'd love to hear that his dms slide
1: right (laughs) in there with some conjecture and disagreement oh yeah well why don't you end the show which is running pretty long Yeah, yeah. We've definitely done a a deep dive, not really so much on Ready Player One, the material, but just the reaction to it, and it's just been on my mind lately. So, again, I I appreciate your willingness to to chat about it. What is on your turntable? Why don't we just find that out, and then we'll close up shop.
0: Right, right, right. So, what is on my turntable? It's been on my turntable a lot for... I think this album came out last November, and I was fortunate enough to get one of the cool um, variant pressings where it's on lovely pink vinyl, and maybe not inappropriately for our discussion tonight, and the fact that I think it was, what, National Women's Day like two days ago, three days ago? What is on my turntable right now? Can we hear that? I can. All right, good. Is... Is... <clears throat> Mass Seduction by St. Vincent. Okay. Which, uh, so, Oh, there we go. <laughs> uh... Oh, no, we lost it. Anyway, she has been... Yeah, she has been doing amazing records for... Uh, I, I don't know. It feels like the better part of 10 years now. She is uh, an amazing guitar player. Um, which I actually didn't originally know when I heard and appreciated her music and then I actually found um, a video where she was playing a <laughs> uh, <laughs> a really, really, really aggressive song by uh, Black Box which, I'm sorry, we're going way down the indie, indie music path but um, it just kind of blew me away watching her play that and, I, I, you know, I... Just really love everything that she does. She is just an interesting woman. Uh, Sometimes when she is not touring, she just works in her family's restaurant. And I believe they're from the Dallas area, Texas anyway. Uh, So you might walk into their diner and find her waiting your table because she's between tours. She also strangely cut a promo for... the NFL Network about her love of the Dallas Cowboys so she she, she has a lot of range Renaissance woman for sure Uh, but uh, Mass Seduction came out again I think it was like last uh, November and um, it's an amazing record I I really can't recommend it enough I was actually listening to a podcast of like top 10 records of 2017 I believe for them it came in at like number 2 or so on their list so um, if you have any inclination at all towards Indie rock. This one, as you're kind of hearing in the background, there's a lot more sort of almost like electronic production to to this one. Um, if you like a female vocalist, if you like an interesting, strong woman that's sort of not afraid to talk about issues around things like sexuality, this, this is a record for you.
1: So I'm clicking on an interview here from Pitchfork, or I guess it's a mm-hmm. review of that album, and um, Saint yep. Vincent gets called the female Bowie,
0: so for right. uh, which is pretty high, high, high praise. Yeah. And I'm I'm totally blanking on her actual name Annie right now. Clark. Won't i say it. it's Annie Clark. I knew I had the Annie, but I was suffering on the on the fifth Clark. album. And to but, be
1: honest, I don't think I've listened. I've, I've probably heard a song and just don't realize it's her. But I am not educated at mm-hmm. all about this artist, so. I will.
0: Yeah, I will is, rectify that over the next few days. <laughs> yeah, she's someone that you know the indie critics have been gushing over for quite a few years. She also did, um, she did did a project with uh, David Byrne from Talking Heads a while ago that was pretty cool. And um, yeah, her whole catalog is well worth checking out. But I do feel like um, this latest record is another. A lot of times, people kind of reach this point in their career of like fifth album and they sort of level off have reached their creative peak and you know either just kind of maintain for a while or start to end like it definitely feels like she has one that um, each record that's coming out is is something new and interesting and pushing her forward so can't recommend it enough
1: so that's where we're going to end things if if, Good. if people do want to uh, slide into your DMs
0: how can they do that oh yeah uh, you can find me at geek zinga so geek zingas with a z all one word on uh, twitter is a great way to reach me i'm at the dm and uh on
1: twitter as well and we'll try to be back again this month i'm uh, talking about something that's maybe a little less controversial <laughs> what else what do you what do you have on tap in the future you think
0: you know i i keep having these like interesting ideas for the cast and i think like yeah we should do that and then i'm in the middle of something else and i don't write them down and then when we you know get to the point of like what are we going to talk about like they are completely out of my
1: (laughs) out of my memory so you know i you gotta externalize just keep a notepad or something
0: i know i know i've got to do a better job well you got a lot going on I do have a few balls in the air right now so you know we'll 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 come up with things there's endless things that we can talk about when we're willing to talk about music video games movies etc cetera, etc cetera. So, all right and and maybe we'll talk about ready player one uh, that's gonna be coming I, out I, relatively I am soon. I'm going
1: to go see it so if probably I don't even know what I think it opens in a few weeks so yep yeah so that'll be interesting to chat about and see if it improves upon some of the maybe problematic stuff in the book we'll see
0: <laughs> i hope we're just back in two weeks like what a pile right, of garbage. Like, oh my god i hate that <laughs> book now
1: what a disaster spielberg's a mess and yeah so we'll see what happens we'll have a good night good luck with all the yep. um, school stuff thank, thank you for listening. and we'll talk to you sir. later <gasps>